0: Hey everyone, on today's episode we are going to have a good friend of mine, Tom Decker. Actually, he's probably a good friend of most people in the European, maybe global, legacy and vintage community. Just the other week, Tom traveled to the Four Seasons tournament in Bologna, Italy, which we believe is the first big eternal event in the year ever since Covid hit. Naturally, there are some reservations about holding big tournaments right now depending on where you live. Tom tells us about how they made it work in Italy, which kind of interesting precautions they took and also which kind of influences had on everything that you might be used to from your usual tournament proceedings and how they deviated from that. I found that part really interesting and especially if you're also interested in Vintage, Tom breaks down his run into the top 8 of the Vintage event, the deck that he played, why he likes it right now, as well as his run in Legacy his Painter List. Spoiler, didn't go as well as the vintage event. <laughs> so yeah, I, I hope you guys are just going to have a good time and join the show tonight. I really also want to give thanks. We, we, we are really being overwhelmed by the support we're getting on Patreon. We have new Patreons, Tommy Hinks, Kyle Walkers, Henry Kokuch, and so many more people who are supporting us. I personally have been working on a couple of new things that will be coming out in the near future on YouTube. And it's really like your work or your support, I want to say, that has made not only this podcast, but a lot of other content that we create possible. There's a lot more to come in the future that I can't tell you about yet, but I really want to emphasize how big of a difference this really makes for our production here. So thank you so much for that, and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to the 84th episode of Everyday Channel. With us tonight, as always, is my Carlos Callum from the UK, and as our special guest tonight, my good friend, or rather our good friend from Belgium, Tom the Decker. Tom, how are you doing, man?
1: Hey, man. Uh, I'm doing good. Very happy to be here. Actually, quite honored to be on this uh, institution of uh, Legacy podcast.
0: Oh, you must you must have mistaken us for some other kind of podcast. We are not an institution. We are <laughs> <laughs> we are the chaos. What
2: are you talking about?
0: Uh, we're, we're really happy to have you on, like Tom. I've known you for quite a while, primarily as a vintage specialist, but you've also always played around in Legacy, right? And had your had your successes here and there and as of recently you attended one of the very first big tournaments ever since COVID hit the world so you're gonna tell us you're gonna tell us a little bit about that in in a moment and for now I'm Calum. how are you doing what have you been up to lately
2: I'm very good thanks very good um not been hugely magicing recently due to part like uh, work's been picking up busyness and so I've been getting home and feeling pretty tired and just run down when I get home. So I once said something a bit more brain did. So I've been playing arena actually, but not too much. So uh, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've not been able to keep up the last couple of weeks, sadly. But I'll, I'll, with the new set, I think I'm gonna try a lot of things out. You've what about been you? cheating
0: on Magic Online? <laughs> cheating? <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess you could understand that in a different way. But yeah. <laughs> By the way, guys, we were just delayed for 15 minutes as Callum was trying to figure out how mm. to fix his audio problems. And i i actually obtained permission to mention this because i find it amazing yes 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 <laughs> um so the issue was he actually had just turned down the speakers all the way so he couldn't hear us <laughs> well <laughs> no. hold on that's not fair okay <laughs> uh, that's not my fair. my
2: microphone the i couldn't work out why i wasn't coming through to you so I, I reinstalled some things and it worked because of that but then after reinstalling some drivers i restarted my computer and because of the speakers i have plugged in i turn the volume down every time i restart the computer because they might blow and then i just forgot to turn the volume back up so when i came back on i was like, oh my god you guys can hear me excellent but now i can't hear you what the fuck so i couldn't work out two or three times i tried to reinstall something and turns out it was just the volume control so people with uh, audio problems just turn it off and on again it usually works
0: and i mean you work for an audio professional company so oh yes so you very know professional should, right? turn it off and on again That that's how it works you
2: would be absolutely stunned by how much of the time this works like people send in five thousand pound equipment like yeah this isn't working we can't work it out and there's like sometimes just a fuse but often it's like you turn it on and it's working and they just had they just needed to restart it it's amazing how much it works you're like okay we, we figured it out um here's our <laughs> 500 pound fee we we have a uh like a fifty pound uh mixing desk in the office and like twenty five pound speakers and like this insane setup and then it's all running through this little dock in the back which you have to unplug and Plug in again twice before it all works. It's amazing. So uh, yeah, there's there's bugs in the in the works everywhere. Talking of bugs, this has nothing to do with bugs. But what have you been up to?
0: Uh, I just actually finished a one-hour bike ride. I went out again. Um, I'm watching a lot of the Tour de France, and that's Mm -hmm. just like something I'm really looking forward to every year. And as it finished today, it inspired me to go out again. I've been doing a lot of riding, and yeah, just finished a one-hour ride. Nice. And magic-wise speaking, been playing a lot of elves. Been, uh, I might have mentioned that on a previous have podcast Have you played the already, deck much before? Is it like a new love or something? Uh, I, I think primarily I've been more known for like the Tree Fog and Goblins kind of variety, mm-hmm. but yeah. I've doubled into, into this new druid. I guess we, we could call it an elf stack, That's the primary creature type. And it has been working out really well for me. Nice. They printed this new card, Allosaurus Shepard, which basically turns all your elves into dinosaurs and cool. also happens to make all of them like uncountable <laughs> and it's just like it's the ultimate timmy card that somebody would ever print like all your stuff was uncountable itself is uncountable it makes all your guys big and it makes them dinosaurs that's really like if timmy designed a card and for those <laughs> who don't know timmy is like the the stereotype of a player that Wizards created that likes like big amazing monsters and he hates when his creatures get counted and stuff and yeah that's that's, that's it, it is, it's true right now <laughs> i mean i hate this, i hate these kind of cards
2: Elf sounds interesting, though. Is it a combo deck or a mid-range
0: deck? Nude. <laughs> Don't get me started. It's, <laughs> Moving swiftly it, onwards. <laughs> I think it plays three Abrupt Decay, so it might be a control deck, actually, if you, ah, if you ask a I couple see. of people. So that's how it works. Mono-green Classic control, control finisher Progenitus as well. <laughs> oh that card has been better for me than for a lot of like in the past years we didn't really play that card but now that snow is around and snow is like all these weak removal spells mm-hmm. or quote-unquote mass removal spells that don't really hit progenitors like come at me come at me but honestly i think i'm asking for it to be punished the huge difference there is uh people playing dead of winter
2: rather than toxic deluge i guess
0: yeah exactly and toxic Deluge was always there was this one scary moment where you had to survive for a turn because after you hit them for 10 they usually couldn't pay 10 anymore Mm -hmm. but i i feel like i'm almost asking for trouble by talking about f so much uh, both here (laughs) and on twitter and on stream and everywhere because the deck can be hated out harder than it ever could now that plague engineers i think that people can even play in the main deck and with it making like quite a splash on Magic Online again recently, I'm, I'm scared that the hate is eventually going to come back, but maybe people are just going to ignore it, and focus more on the, the rock diver mirror. So I really don't know, but I'm gonna enjoy the way it works for the time being. And whatever the future brings, we will see maybe I'm gonna go back to my tree folk roots, who knows? Nice, nice.
2: What about you, Tom? Well, we will actually get into the segue. I was about to say, what have you done recently, but there's a big reason why we invited you on to talk about a recent event. Plus, you're just great. Um, so other than <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. other than the Four Seasons event, uh, you've been up to anything recently? How is Belgium?
1: Belgium as a whole hasn't been doing too well in terms of uh, the whole Corona crisis thing, of course. Our numbers haven't been uh, fantastic. Uh, things seem to be going great by start of July, I'd say. But then uh, all of a sudden the curve wouldn't uh, wouldn't continue going down. Instead, it went back up. So uh, by the end of July, we were in wave two and... Uh, me and my family have been pretty much locked up at home ever since. Uh. Oh, so man. to get my magic fix, I've mainly been playing uh, over Discord with uh, through webcam because I'm not really much of an online player myself. I don't. I've, re- I've never really enjoyed the software. But uh, yeah, yeah everyone, with my cell phone sure. suspended, these webcam games have been uh, have been quite fun. That's 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 that has been my preparation for now.
2: Nice. We actually got a uh, listener question specifically for you from Stoneheart from the Discord. Uh, he asked, "What kind of games is Tom looking to play when he plays Vintage and Legacy? People have said that playing those formats is most like playing chess. Is that true? What do you think of that?"
1: So, I guess the kinds of games I enjoy most uh, differ uh, depending on the format. So, in in Legacy, I mostly uh, enjoy fair fair decks actually. Um, so, my my big love for years has been Esper Blade or um, I sometimes call it uh, blue junt. <laughs> it's true, yeah. That's exactly the kind of uh, game I enjoy. So, uh, starting off on tartsies or with some easy, with some uh, quick counter magic, establishing a threat, and then trying to figure out how to maneuver the game from there. Um, so in Legacy, I've mostly been drawn to those kind of decks. Um, until, of course, recently, Oko and Uro um, made it quite hard to be playing uh, stuff like Asperblade or Grixis Control. And then in, in Vintage, I, I'm mostly looking to do broken things. That's, uh, I, I, I've always played the blue decks. Uh, I've dabbled into workshops, especially when uh, Mystic Forge was legal and, and, and Khan was legal as a four-off. Uh, basically, when you could play it as a combo deck. But uh, uh, mostly mm-hmm. I'm looking to play blue with uh, some possibility to go broken.
2: I like that. When you when you have such a... Uh, I guess the broken decks, their flaws are often being like a, a decent control deck as well. So you do have this mismatch. of Like PO, I've seen people say it's a combo deck and you should be playing it faster as a combo deck. I've seen people say it's a control deck. It, I mean, it just plays both roles pretty well, I think. So I think It's
0: actually a mid-range deck. <laughs> wow, okay,
1: here we go. <laughs> what,
2: what, do we th- what do you think of PO, Tom?
1: Well, so the past two years, I've kind of been making a name for myself on the MKM series. And that was when PO was basically the best deck in the format. So it's kind of on the back of that card that I've been able to... Uh, uh, yeah, establish myself a bit in, in, in that circuit. With relation to that, I've, I've played PO in uh, the first event I won with it in, in MKM Prague. There was a Dark Ritual in my deck to, to show a bit how uh, how combo I wanted to play it. And then um, two years later, I was playing it with Green, with Mystic Remoras and with Oat in the sideboard. So all the way the other uh, as, a, as a control deck. So Very yeah, nice. I kind of love PO in the sense that you can build it any way you want to. I think these days it's um this kind of an established list that's really good at playing both roles the four caller list uh so yeah i think the yeah people have optimized it but that back when there was some uh, some more room to play around with uh, i really liked choosing both sides of the of the equation
2: i love seeing the uh, oath po deck when it kind of first popped up because as you say oath can go with anything which is like well you just need to play moxon which everyone is anyway so yeah you're right that there's so much room to experiment around with it and then yeah you could like just jam an oath out and if they then i don't know like play, if you if you're in a mirror for example if they play there in an orchard you could uh, peel it back or something cool uh, you could do a lot of things like if they wouldn't play out a creature it's still something that sits there stops them playing creatures then you can like end of turn peel it or whatever yeah, very nice.
1: Yeah, it's just a nice strategy to pivot into when you're up against workshops, uh, primarily. I think yeah, I yeah.
2: I guess that's the thing, because workshops can just like completely destroy fair decks with the fast sphere starts and stuff if they don't have the force will on time. Whereas PO, you don't always have the problem. You, you do have forces as well to stop the spheres, but then you can just like turn one them as well. The deck turn one's more than I expected
1: it to. Absolutely. It's a scary deck.
2: Terrifying, terrifying. Talking of scary decks, which is again, nothing to do with the next section. I'm just, I just like saying that. <laughs> um, we're gonna talk about one of our main topics, which is tournaments results and paper legacy, which is something the whole format has been devoid of for so long. We, um, we've um we really shifted to a, all our results are from online. It was kind of trending that way for a while in the past before COVID anyway, but we have just been devoid of all paper results because there's been no tournaments happening. But this past weekend in Italy, Four Seasons tournaments ran the first paper legacy event in a while. They, you, you can correct me on this. I believe they had 150 something players, 155. It's written right here in the show notes. Good Callum. Uh, 155 players for the legacy main event. And uh, you went there. Uh, tell us about your experiences, how you got there and um, what precautions were taken. How did it go?
1: I'd been eyeing the, uh, the events in Italy for a while. I, I've, i had been to Bologna, um, I think two years ago also to uh the summer event and uh i had a really good time there so uh, i had been uh, watching their facebook group like a hawk in anticipation of maybe an announcement <laughs> coming um so like a true addict yeah yeah because yeah. i yeah because i've been really aching to to play another event uh, it's magic's been my my main hobby for a few years now and with uh you know the whole quarantine thing uh, it, is, it has been a part of my life I've been really missing. So, um, yeah, as the, as the date uh, came closer, I, uh, I decided to just, you know, book my flights, hoping uh, our country didn't go into lockdown before then. And uh, lo and behold, last weekend I uh, set foot in, uh, in Bologna to play some magic.
0: What was it like, the travel? So did, did you, Could you easily get into the country or did they test you at the airport? I know in Germany, for example, you're supposed to be tested at the airport and get your results in like one or two days. What was it like arriving in Teddy?
1: It was pretty standard. The, the only thing that uh, was different is that they took your temperature before you could enter the, the gates at the airport here in Belgium. Um, and then there's some uh, some formalities you need to take care of. So uh, when we leave the country and when we come back we need to uh, basically communicate our whereabouts to our government so they could uh, know where we've been and they, uh, they could contact tracers in case there's like a, a breakout of the virus there, an outbreak. Um, but other than that, I mean, actually, I, I think everything was pretty pretty business as usual, which is kind of weird because, you know, jamming all these people together in a, a cheap flight doesn't sound like the best idea and it probably isn't. But uh, I guess the economy needs to start, <laughs> go, uh, needs to keep going and people need to keep flying or these companies don't, don't manage. So there we are packed onto a flight. Of course, we, we all had to wear masks. Oh, there were no additional precautions in italy itself in the cities there's a requirement to wear a mask uh, at all times when you cannot uh, keep a safe distance from people so we uh, actually stayed in in florence on friday and on sunday because i have a friend there and we can oh, say
0: and florence is amazing
1: florence is amazing <laughs> absolutely so um uh, when we were in the city center which was still a bit crowded we uh, we did have to wear a mask almost at all times but um people are like pretty casual about it it's only when you go inside uh, larger buildings uh, and, and in the convention center where we we played magic uh or i guess the community center is more, a better description uh yeah there's a an obligation to wear a mask which of course makes even sense.
0: during the games, so it's not like between rounds but even during the games everybody was wearing a mask that's what i saw in the pictures right
1: yeah when you're inside the building you wear a mask that's the the main rule and that was pretty pretty well enforced and nobody also made a fuss about it everybody knew that that was a so-called cost to pay when uh, to play the event
0: i was gonna ask since you said it was very well enforced did they actually have to actively enforce it or did everybody basically comply and you didn't notice anyone like fucking things like why would you even go there if you were not gonna wear a mask right that would be like really weird
1: yeah the thing nobody uh like really made a fuss about it the only thing that you saw people sometimes doing is um i think it's almost like a reflex they uh they put the nose uh they put their nose over the mask to uh, get get some fresh air and then they don't put it back and then every once in a while a judge needed to point at someone and say hey uh, put the mask on they did they did in fact do it
0: oh that's actually really cool that
1: yeah i actually really liked it i mean in a sense we're all taking a risk uh crowding together in a place like that so everybody needs to do their part I think it's only logical yeah. and then so in between matches you were not allowed to linger and uh to uh to real but you needed to go outside so that was also to avoid uh crowds gathering um yeah there was a a catering area set outside um which I'm not mm-hmm. sure is if it was even uh um specifically for the for the for the pandemic right they might have been there all the time but uh, that way you you don't need, you didn't need to stay inside crowds with other people and you could just you know have your lunch at a designated table on your own or with your with your bubble I guess.
0: So that actually sounds like that surprised me somewhat. I thought it would be like not as well enforced. I don't know why. I just feel like. But yeah, that that sounded really like things were worked out the way they were supposed to be. I, I guess like you mentioned, you're still taking a risk like meeting with so many people inside a confined room, but. I hope everything worked out like we, we can't really tell for now right how, how long has it been like a week
1: yeah it's been a week now um well i mean uh, the tournament was last weekend this is thursday um yeah but uh another thing they did uh when we registered for the event uh they actually did take our temperature they had one of these fancy laser tech uh style guns to do that <laughs> um yeah. and they did uh, everybody also needed to um fill in another piece of paperwork with their, with their name and their telephone number. So I guess that's also a requirement. So they could do contact tracing in case of uh, an outbreak. I'm not yeah, quite sure sense. what they'll do about it. But for example, I could imagine, uh, say, somebody is, uh, is picked out as being, uh, you know, being COVID positive. They could in theory see what these, uh, this person's uh, matchups were and, and contact these people specifically they have the data they have the technology
0: i would guess you'd probably need to contact everyone right because you, you probably mixed at some point and better safe than sorry yeah, i would assume they but... contact mm. everyone for sure yeah yeah,
2: yeah. it's pretty cool okay. that they uh, took
0: temperatures as well that's impressive that's
2: that is not messing around which is really good to hear which bodes well for yeah. future tournaments as well if everything continues to trend at the same rate
0: yeah, unless the like I, I can imagine some countries where people would be like, no, that's an invasion of my privacy. You're not supposed to know what my temperature is. <laughs> it's like, okay, dude, <laughs> it's my <laughs> freedom. Yeah, my, that's <laughs> 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 you have to pay if you want to know my temperature. It's like, okay, and you gotta pay if you want to play in my tournament. <laughs> it's like, goodbye.
2: I heard that um you can't you couldn't uh, cut the other people's decks and shuffling and stuff. Uh, I guess no handshakes as well. To be
0: expected. Oh, oh yeah, that's super interesting. Um, Franco Boli actually had, had a question about that, right? What what common oh, yeah. practices yeah. and mannerisms have changed? Like, I, I would guess no handshakes at all, and I I didn't know about the no touching your opponent's deck. But uh, I mean, on one hand, it makes total sense, right? On the other hand, it's it's supposed to be a thing in Magic, but I guess did, did, did people just rely
1: on on I don't know? No, people rely on trust. That's what people rely on. Trust,
0: such a simple word.
1: Yeah, so there were a few rules in place for the tournament, Um, like uh, the biggest one, you being not uh, allowed to touch each other's deck, and also no handshakes, and you also uh, required to uh, bring your own playmat to play on. but so the whole the whole handshake thing, it's um it's of course a, a small one in the grand scheme of things. Uh it does make things kinda awkward in the end, especially if you're used to always giving a handshake, but uh, you can always do the weird uh, the weird wave from a distance or even the, the elbow bump uh I've seen being used. So there's a way around it if you really feel the need to uh you know to close out the game with something like that. And then for the whole uh touching the deck thing, I actually really like it. I mean, maybe it's also because uh, I, I played vintage on Saturday, and it's uh, well, it's it's always a pleasure if people don't really touch your deck in that format. But um, no, you just clearly shuffle your deck in front of your opponent, and then basically after a fetch or any normal shuffle, I uh, I tend to cut my deck in uh, in three piles, and then my opponent gets to decide which pile goes on top. Oh, that's that's actually really cool. Preventing essentially any shenanigans for the the old fetchland land tutor, for example, right? And that's a habit I, I picked up from playing these games on discord that's nice
0: oh yeah because on discord you also can, of course you can't shuffle your opponent's deck on discord and yeah whoa you, <laughs> this is completely new technology i like this broken the <laughs> shuffling yeah, so we just format. shuffle
1: the deck present t- three piles opponent gets to decide which pile goes on top uh which pile goes yep. on top and then you just carry on and actually it saves a bunch of time because just stacking the three piles is way quicker than handing over your deck to your opponent who then needs to like rifle shuffle it a bunch more times and in terms of, you know, um, risk uh, for cheating, I think it's actually absolutely minimal because the, the gesture of cutting the deck and then having your opponent pick a pile is just so, um, so clear and fr- clearly in front of you.
0: Yeah. Did most people do that or is that something that's basically only you and a couple others did?
1: Oh, um, well, I did it with all of my opponents, but this may be because I, I immediately offered it myself. I didn't really... Yeah, yeah. Uh, pay a lot of attention to other matches i think i saw a few people who just you know uh clearly shuffled and then uh, asked their opponent if they were you know satisfied with the with the shuffling and then yeah. and, and kept it at that
0: maybe that's that's actually maybe going to become a thing so i'm definitely going to spread the word about that 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 sounds really cool
2: yeah same I, I agree it seems it seems almost like worth doing even if everything was back to normal like yeah shuffling and cutting other people's decks but yeah you're right them it's so minimal the chance of cheating with this like because it, maybe it's even less than the chance that your opponent gets your decks your deck and stacks it or something i don't know
0: yeah that like 12 years ago i want to say that was actually the the big change like who gets the last cut because previously you get to have the last cut so if your opponent shuffled your deck you were supposed to still have the last cut which rubbed a, wrong pe- a, lot, a lot of people the wrong way because of course if there's something with your sleeves then if you cut to the exact card that you want, I don't know, say it's Belcher and you put Belcher on top because something is about the Belcher sleeves, mm-hmm. then that would be prevented. But at the same time, of course, back then, I think it was about twelve years ago, people argued that they don't feel comfortable if their opponent actually gets the last cut, because that's where something like when when you know what what they call a fetch landlock, when they fetch but you fetch and then they put another fetch line on top. So you mm-hmm. fetch, they put another fetch line on top. <laughs> and that was enabled by that. Yeah. So that there, there never really was a perfect solution, but but I really like what Tom just proposed. Yeah, same. Awesome. So in speaking of actual magic, because that's that's why you went to Italy, right? There's good food and everything and and warm weather, awesome climate, awesome cities. But you went to Italy to play magic, particularly Vintage and Legacy. And I think Vintage was the very first tournament you played on that weekend. So, what did you play in Vintage, why did you play it, and how did the tournament go?
1: Yeah, so, um, I did play Vintage on Saturday, and I decided to bring 4-color Underworld Breach. Um, in this case, uh, I slightly modified it uh, to include a few Dreadshort Arcanists, and a few removal spells you'd normally find in a Xerox deck. So, um, the idea here was to be, well, a bit like we discussed earlier with the, the PO deck, to be uh, a combo deck in breach, but slightly more controlling and slightly more grindy. So focal only will breach. I think is a is clearly a very strong deck. It's been performing well for for months now. And I I was a bit off PO. I also considered it. The the other deck I really uh, considered was Doomsday because I think it's very very strong, but Doomsday is quite linear, and I uh, I would have preferred to have a bit more variety in my games. So the, that's why I ended up the Underworld Breach deck. So the Doomsday also got a huge boost from Th- uh, Thassa's Oracle? Yeah, the Vintage deck got uh, significantly stronger. I think it's probably the best blue deck at the moment. The thing with Doomsday oh, wow. is the combo is so compact that you always get to run the full suite of uh, blue stew plus a full suite of counter spells and your combo. There's, there's really no concessions because you have plenty of space to work with. Yeah, I've I've
2: seen the deck's been absolutely tearing up online. It's It's been like top 18... It's been like two or three copies in every top eight of the challenges for what I've seen. Maybe there's a couple where it wasn't quite that many, but uh, especially there's like one user called Discoverin who is just top hating every single challenge and the deck is just absurdly crushing on Magic Online. So from an outside-ish perspective, from my, from what I see, it looks to be like the best deck in the format. It seems insane.
1: Yeah. So I positioned my, uh, my my underground breach deck to be slightly more controlling in an attempt to to be able to fight that fight um on that accent ax- and that uh, axle i didn't face doomsday in the event uh, I, I don't think there were any players if i'm being honest but i didn't scout all of the decks because well we weren't allowed to linger after our matches and some of my matches were over uh, were over pretty quickly i can imagine so how many people actually showed up for the vintage event yeah we went 19 people in the vintage event which is, I think, pretty good, given circumstances. Now, this is an event that allowed uh, proxies, so not all of these were, I would say, uh, vintage regulars, but uh, all the more fun to have some newer players, in our, I guess. Oh,
0: that's how you did so well in that event, no.
1: <laughs> I, I always jokingly say that vintage is, is kind of soft, but um, I think there's like some truth to it, in all honesty. Many of the players you, you encounter in a vintage event are not there really to to try and do well. They're just there because they like playing with the cards, they like playing with their friends. It's a, a, lot, a lot more casual in, in in atmosphere, so many of the players also don't really have the most up-to-date technology in the deck. Um, yeah, so it pays to be ahead of the curve, I would say.
2: That's something I've always quite enjoyed about vintage in a way. like it's so simple in its nature, but you you play it because you enjoy playing with these old cards. It's kind of what old school is trying to do as well or does pretty well. Um, so yeah, that's why I, vintage online, I don't, I don't really get the appeal for, but in London we used to run some events with proxies allowed and stuff. And it even got me to the point where I was buying vintage cards that weren't power because it was so fun to play in paper because you didn't have this cut through edge of playing the best deck, but the format can do some really, really cool things. So, I do like that people like kind of play what they enjoy and stuff. I think it feels like a big part of the format. But I of think course, a lot of development
0: yeah. and things going on in Vintage really start picking up um, once it became such a big thing on Magic Online because yeah. that gave it a real boost. Because now, basically, we have one or two big events per week for Vintage. And they have the same payout as all the other events. And since Vintage doesn't really draw the biggest crowds, the I, I would even argue that Vintage might have the best overall expected value in all of the Magic Online formats right now. I mean, it has more variance, I guess, but not so much more. Like, I thought it was, before I somewhat got into Vintage, right? I thought it was like all oh, John Wunkels all the time, everybody plays the perfect no, song no, and no. stuff. It's like, no, that's actually not what's happening there. Like, people can play those decks, but. If they you are need not proof dominating. of
2: that not being real look to justin Gennari, who is i am actually level one and matt murray who is chubby rain there are other fantastic vintage players out there similar in this vein but those two just win so much and they are, they're brewers as well at heart they are constantly like making new decks in the format just winning with new decks as well but they're such deep knowledge of the format like just rewards them time and time again justin Gennari won the uh vintage showcase uh, week or two weeks ago maybe so he qualified for the mocks and the pro tour through vintage and he's just a vintage player basically by his admission and that's
0: basically a minimum like five thousand dollars payout for yep. for the mocks. so he, yep. he made like big bang playing vintage and on magic online so he beat Red du- duke in the finals oh wow yeah wow. tom maybe one day we can get you on so we can <laughs> do some vintage together maybe i'm gonna get you on my stream if you like
1: yeah i'd love that i just don't like playing uh playing magic online myself but uh, i'd love to be on and uh Railboat a few of your matches, maybe give you some advice. Maybe you can you can teach me a few new, t- a few new tricks as well. Who knows? Let's see, let's see.
0: You, you already helped me out. You helped me out winning the, was it the only no, one of my MKM Vintage Finals? By basically giving me the tips like I w- I'm supposed to bring in Grafdigger's Cage against Paradoxical Outcome, which I actually wouldn't have done, but you told me that I'm supposed to do that, and that actually worked out for me. And I guess what we are not mentioning there is that I actually faced you in the finals. So <laughs> I still owe—I've told you this before—I still owe you dinner um, because we couldn't even find McDonald's or anything on that evening, and we, we actually had, had to survive on on food donations that we received at the hotel because everything was closed because we we're in Germany.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a quite the event. I still regret nothing. Uh, at least you—you uh, you beat me fair and square that game, and. Uh, uh, I guess we, we, I can be salty about making the finals playing a, a friend uh, who's also playing a, a bunch of my cards. Uh, that's really the best outcome, regardless of who wins. Basically all of your cards? All but one, actually. There was oh. one card I needed to borrow from someone else.
0: Awesome. So how did your how did your vintage event in Italy go? You, you did pretty well in it, right?
1: Yeah, I guess for a, a small event I did fairly well. So uh, I, it was five rounds of Swiss. I... Uh, started out against oath of druids um also on their, their coverage because the guys in bologna have a, had a stream on twitch um oh we're gonna link to that in the show notes yeah against Otto druids things went um basically exactly as i scripted it as game one i uh i got off with a, a dreadlord arcanist and I just, I just snowballed that in a in a fair way um to to victory just replaying Mystical tutors and Counter Spells and, uh, uh, to get more Counter Spells, keeping off and drawing a few cards with Preordains. Totally fair. Yeah, and so by the end of game one, he didn't even know I was actually on breach, I think. Uh, I believe it's in seen Vampiric Tudor. So I was really hoping to get him in uh, the second game. Uh, unfortunately, he was the one who really got me uh, in game two. Uh, he had a classic uh, um, all cards plus mocks into Oath opening. You know what we call uh, it in German? I've,
0: I've picked up like I'm, I'm not really an active vintage player but I've, I've had I was trained in the dark arts of vintage at times by the German vintage community and they told me if you have the land like
1: basically that the nut start is called landmarks ding dong <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's sounds quite about right so uh landmarks ding dong and I actually had Werte in uh, in my hand but no white mana because I I am playing four colors so my deck is base blue red with light sm- splashes to uh, to black and white. And I, I had an underground scene, not a Tundra or a fetch. So I wasn't able to clean up the oats before it was too late. Um, so he took the second one quite quickly. And then game three, I got to show awesome. him that I was actually an Underworld Breach deck. And I think I killed him on turn three or four quite easily. Yeah, I think I had a very early recall and then just snowballed from there. A lot of games these days are decided on who gets to resolve their ancestral recall first. Awesome. And what else do you did you face? Did you go undefeated in the Swiss? I think you did, right? Yeah, 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 but uh, that just meant uh, with with nineteen players, I went three and O, and then and then I just took two identical draws uh, to end up in first spot anyway. Um, second round, I won against uh, Rock Planeswalkers, so featuring Renan Six and Oko. That's a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, the the Mystic Forge gives the no um, Mystic Sanctuary gives the deck quite a good late game as they can start using Renan Six plus um, plus Gush to uh, to get the land back over and over again and to then... rebuy time walk. Oh so you,
0: you get to put it that's kinda crazy. That's oh my okay let, let let's quickly break this down because this
1: Well you don't go actually infinite but you can loop it quite a few times and then with young pyromancer or Sprite Dragon or just snowballing Dreadhawk Arcanist you can you can get ahead quite far. And then it just plays the whole slew of blue control spells and counter magic and, and a, a play set of pyroblasts to defend itself. It's quite a strong deck, very mid-rangey.
2: What I've, what I've noticed in Vintage for a while is a lot of decks are playing four Pyroblast main deck now. I I don't remember that being a thing like a, even a year ago. Has the format become just that much bluer, or is it blue decks just saying, alright, these are just all... I guess they always had missteps as dead cards versus workshop, so they're thinking they can afford to have these dead cards and play Pyroblast instead of misstep. Is that how it goes?
1: I think it's mainly been a response to how um, how... Easy, it's gotten to um, to snowball okay. ancestral recall. Actually, the the need to counter motion scroll early to counter mystical tutor, like many of the many of the decks now rely on snowballing and ancestral recall early, either through breach or, or well, I guess in PO's case, it's not specifically recall, but they just try to change draw spells just as easily. And so these decks are really becoming a dominant force and they're just starting to get a bit inbred. Workshop's also been taking a beating as I of think late. That makes sense. Force of Vigor was very painful. Yeah, usually Workshop always takes a beating from Wizards of the Coast, right?
0: That's the only way that deck ever becomes worse.
1: Yeah, there's also Hogak, which is really uh, um, which is really strong, and also Preys on Workshop. So I think it's a, a number of factors making Workshop less and less uh, viable as a deck. Mean that the blue decks are starting to become more and more powerful, and then they start to respond to one another, and all of a sudden you end up playing four pyroblast in your main deck. I only play two, which may or may not have been wrong. I just figured that you know maybe I did, I wouldn't. Uh, maybe more players in paper would stick to their old guns. But the fact i only played blue decks throughout the tournament
0: uh no no dredge did, did people play dredge? like last time i checked in with vintage dredge was actually supposed to be the best deck in the well final
1: there was one dredge player i believe and he won the event it's always so there. is that the answer i don't know but i wasn't playing too much judge either and uh yeah he just uh went through it like a knife through butter uh, oh did, did did you face him in the quarterfinals uh no i was eliminated by a, a paradoxical outcome player in the quarterfinal in the quarterfinals my draws is matched up really badly against oh, his okay. My Lavinia's versus his Caracas. Um me having a mindbreak trap versus him going Mox Time Walk into Teferi the next turn and stuff like that. So I just uh. yeah, I was never really in it. Man, you you're
0: getting you really excited for vintage though. I'm tempted to play Doomsday. The deck looks really fun. <laughs> like
1: it
2: it's it's kind of similar to the legacy deck where you're playing mean deck, which is where you have access to force of will. So you are a disruption heavy deck and then you just cast doomsday and win off not very much but here you can win off just so little because you just like when you have access to ancestral recall and black lotus it's trivial to I don't know, just make it make a like a pile where you recall into force blue card oracle and or like gush as well so it's super easy to win off very little in doomsday in this deck so
1: yeah in, in vintage they go dark ritual doomsday go yeah. a surprising amount of the time just because if they if they have two Tassus oracles in their pile uh, they essentially force you to interact with them two turns in a row, yeah. or you just lose on the spot, and that's yeah. just so strong. They do
0: also like make piles with Flusterstorm as well, and so how often does it actually come up that they create a Doomsday pile and draw into the
1: pile, and then you try to kill them with uh, Ancestral Recall? I haven't seen it happen with Ancestral Recall, but Brain Freeze is a mm. hell of a card against them from the Underworld. Breach oh, i played
2: against Doomsday a few times when Breach was legal in Legacy, and like actually, I was on the o- on the other side as well at my local game store a couple of times, and you have to like have veil for the brain freeze while you're fighting their force of wills oh
0: it was horrible <laughs> maybe you just gotta put uh an Emrakul into coolant yeah? pile,
2: and then you shuffle no cards back in and <laughs> i guess yeah you shuffle oh no you shuffle the cards you mailed yeah
0: yeah you, you shuffle everything back in it's, it, it happens to be a, a random library in the end but that might still be good I enough. guess yeah there we go so what's
2: what's so what's your pile it's a uh, thassa's oracle the mana to cast, uh, Emrakul the eon's torn do you know the classic <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe you can put shell card oh, in there no. as an alternate win condition. Ah,
2: yes, see shell dock oh, and then if some blast from if the they past. brain freeze you in response to the shell dock, then they're a fool, and you got them. They walked into your trap, and you mill the emerald, shuffle it, and then you hit it off the shell docar. Yeah,
0: yeah, very good. <laughs> Exactly. I can also see a scenario where you just die on the extra turn because you you cast your Emrakul, and <laughs> and then you untap and you die. <laughs> there, yeah. There's a, there's
2: four dark rituals and like, in Legacy you have Lotus Pedals and Vintage you have Mox and then Black Lotus. You can cast it, maybe.
0: you you cast it off the shadow guy. That's that's the idea. Well, yeah, yeah.
2: But if they waste <laughs> no wasteland in response. No, if they the brainfreeze you, trigger. then
0: then you have no library left. Yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, fine. All right, we'll give up on this idea. <laughs> till another day.
0: So Tom, tell us about Legacy. How how deep did you go in Legacy? What did you play? Like you told me about the deck you were gonna play in Legacy quite a while in advance. You you were pretty fond of how that had been doing. Can can you give us a little bit of an intro to that?
1: I've been playing um, a red blue painter deck on these uh, on this Discord service for um, well quite a few months now, and um, as I was. uh, Listening to various you know podcasts and reading articles, um, everybody was just talking about how Rugdelver was the best deck, and uh, Snoko was so good. And I just figured, well, why not be the guy playing six Pyroblasts in the main deck, if that's going to be the metagame uh, we're facing. So, um, yeah, that was my choice. Um, Painter, including uh, 11 different welder effects, with some con, the great creator action as well, to get more redundancy in the combo and uh, maybe let us some people i uh had played I think three events beforehand, winning one, and these are like all three or four round events, so these don't mean much, but the test has been the deck had been you know going pretty well so I'd, i felt quite confident going into the event uh and round one when I sat down i uh I immediately got crushed by Infect, so that confidence was really uh really destroyed from the get go the in fact this i think quite a hard matchup because they just race you out uh, straight up i lost on turn uh, on their turn three in the first game and i think again on turn three in the second game uh the second game i i only needed a red blaster in fact but i couldn't find one for the life of me I'd, I'd kept hands just trying to dump as many artifacts into the battlefield to try and raise them but it just didn't work out so i started out oh two confidence crushed and on to uh, the second round in
2: fact it's the kind of deck that can just anyone anything pretty fast and easily like you said you were looking for a red blast for i guess blighted agent but sometimes they'll just have to draw with an ink moth and I, I can really see painter lining up pretty pretty poorly sometimes like your cards really have to fall in order and they have more disruption so i can see the top matchup being pretty tough
1: so then the second round i faced death in texas which i didn't really expect it to see a lot because i had rumored that the deck was all that well in the current meta game and had trouble dealing with uh uh, well, I don't know actually why the deck would be so bad. Yeah. People were complaining about it being unplayable, so I just figured people would believe that. I, I don't think
2: it's unplayable at all. Mm. It's it's decent. I think it's a lot better than people let off. So yeah, and especially in paper, it's one of those decks that people will just really like as well for good reason. It's a cool deck for being for playing twelve planes, <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's I would I would expect to see it in paper honestly, even now, even with like the it's so. Um, over the top saying it's unplayable when the deck has been a strong deck for for years and yes it struggles with oko but you still have like wasteland port thalia
0: does show up on magic online quite a bit as of late again i, I want to say i'm not sure how good it's yeah. really gonna be but like you mentioned pre are probably probably like overblowing how bad it became through the recent printings yeah. so
2: if you're being strict about it i think it's like tier two yeah. slightly lower ends of tier two but that's that's a perfectly playable legacy deck so yeah anyway tom how did the match go
1: well the deck was perfectly uh, capable of defeating me i'll tell you that <laughs> uh game one was funny <laughs> in the sense that we both locked each other out um he he had uh put revoker on on my grindstone and then in combination with sanctum prelate At one, I wasn't actually able to break out of the lock, even though at a certain point I had five Welders in play, Khan in play. Uh, Pretty much locked him (laughs) out on the Scenaring Bridge, but I would deck first, because I had been using Emry a bunch.
0: Isn't there a scenario where you counter one of his artifacts, and then you welder out his uh, Revoker?
1: Yeah, he had no artifacts in his graveyard, and I couldn't counter any, because the only card that would let me do that is Red Elemental Blast, which costs one.
0: Oh, so, so, so you said you're playing blue, but you didn't, I guess you don't have enough to support 4s or, or you maybe sided them out, I guess. There's uh, no forceful
1: uh, of in the deck, no. The only blue cards are Emery in the main deck.
0: Okay, okay, I see. I so
1: see. I, I eventually ended up conceding. I'm just trying to
0: somehow piece something together, but I, you're the expert in that deck.
1: Well, I wouldn't say I'm the expert, but I went through the whole deck as I was fetching, and then I went through my whole cybot as I was activating card, yeah. and there really wasn't an option I could see, so I just ended up conceding, getting locked out. And then game two. That's, um, that's actually kind of crazy. You had your entire seventy-five, basically almost the
0: entire seventy-five at your disposal, and they they locked you out of those two cards. That was oh man. That actually makes me want to look at the decklist and be like, ah, is there no way? Can't I just like, animate some of my artifacts in the tech? But yeah, I mean, they also play the game. It's not like they stop playing the game, right? As as you draw your extra cards and everything. Well, <laughs> the
1: craziest thing is, the week before the event, I had one card different in my deck. I had one Deck Faden in, in there instead of the fourth Emery. And then pretty much last minute, I decided, nah, Emery's been really good. I'm just going to play the full four. Had I had Deck Faden in my 75, I could have eventually stolen a Revoker and then welded it out for something of mine to get out of the lock. Mm. But that card was not in my 75. It wasn't in my main deck, so I couldn't uh, ever make it. And then, yeah, game two, did, uh, I tried playing fast, uh, but didn't get there, So because we... game one took forever. So... Uh, that means I'm 0-2 in the event. And then it's all uh, pretty much downhill from there. I lost against, uh, uh, I think, Bugdelver in the third round. Straight up got wasted out of the game.
0: Bugdelver, okay.
1: Uh, yeah, he just... his uh, The deck is normally not that weak to wasteland, I would say. I mean, we play four basics and some fetches to go around it and a bunch of artifact mana. But these games, my hand just really didn't work out against what he had. And he could keep me off mana while posing a threat and countering my spells. I, I just got delved straight out. Not really much play to it.
0: Mm-hmm. I was just surprised to to see buck diver because that's that's a rare species man these days.
1: So was I. So was I. I think you just really liked having abrupt decay instead of lightning bolt. We didn't really talk much about it because <laughs> by then I was feeling quite um, yeah, it's feeling quite down, I guess. And then uh, well, I I lost against another. Uh, Actually, an interesting build of, of Delver uh, also. He was playing Noble Hyrak in what seemed like um, a rock Delver list. Eschewing, I guess, Tarmogoyves. He did have Arcanist. Interesting.
2: Yeah. I guess trying to play Oko faster and get ahead of mana if you expect mirrors and stuff.
1: Yeah, I think that was the goal. He also had uh, two True Names in his deck. So I think he was really t- uh, into the idea of racing out an Oko and a, or a True Name and going from that. The one interesting yes, that cool. did came up was uh, he did try to oko my painter, which has a really interesting effect when it comes to stopping the oh, combo, God. which it doesn't. This
2: is a lovely, mm. lovely like layers thing, isn't it? Yeah, I heard yeah it's yeah. like similar for if you if you oko Magus of the moon, everything's still a mountain. Is that right?
1: Yeah, it's 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 exactly the same kind of interaction. Be. So the yeah the the rule that yeah. says that uh, things get a different color, so color changing effects, that sits in a higher layer than uh, the ability mm. adding and removing that Oko does. And so yeah. the, app- the effect first gets applied and then the ability gets removed in a, in a layer more down. So uh, even though my Painter 7 didn't have the ability, everything was still blue and Grindstone still milled them out. Nice.
0: You know what I want to see? I want to see the, the next level game that's happening there. So your opponent, they target your your Painter and then you don't know whether they know or <laughs> not or whether they think that you just don't know so you wouldn't go for it. You you know what I mean? Oh, that's amazing. That's, (laughs) because if it's it's like their last and only out, they might just like oko the the Painter and hope that you don't activate your grindstone. And at that time, like then later on, if, if you use a Pyroblast on something, they they could either like be like, okay, this resolves because you can Pyroblast anything, right? And, this is this is interesting. This is interesting. So if they actually don't know and you Pyroblast something important, then they would be like, oh, "This player is so bad; he doesn't know." So they let it resolve, <laughs> when in fact that's actually going to destroy it, even though they could have countered or done something about it. Oh man! <laughs> oh, that's that's super interesting. So so you ended up losing to that, right?
1: Yeah. So I, I won game one on uh, on the back of that. Um, well, not only on the back of that; I, I had the dominating board presence by the time I had uh, activated grindstone, um, and then. Game two, uh, he got me uh, He got me with Wasteland and Counter Magic once again. So uh, I keep a hand that uh, in theory gets good combo in turn two. Uh, but he poses a Dreadhorde, I go for it because otherwise the game snowballs out of control and he has the Force of foot and I just uh, can't get back behind the Dreadhorde. And then game three he plays Collector Roof and that was the game. Very uh, fair and square. Collector Roof is a hell of a card to beat with my deck. Full of value artifacts.
0: Oh, I can imagine. So what did you play next round then? Yeah,
1: that's the 0-4 and then uh, I continued playing and uh, finally faced the so-called scourge of the format according to many, which is Buck And here again I managed mm-hmm. to combo out. That's the deck you prepared
0: for, right? That's the one you wanted to beat?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, I did beat it uh, quite swiftly one game where I just uh, had a great hand. But then games 2 and 3, I, I the deck stumbled. Uh, I believe there was a mulligan involved as well. but. If I'm being honest, by that time my heart wasn't really into that, that much. So I'm pretty sure I started playing quite poorly as well. So I uh I combined out once and then just g- got grinded to dust by him, which is normally my job being the Grandson uh, pilot. <laughs> so then at O five yeah. I decided i had enough and I settled for Beers outside rather that's than that's a games good bracket inside. to be in.
0: Yeah.
2: I like uh-huh. the beer bracket much
0: more. I'm actually curious. I'm curious, whether something like side events, or did they also scrap all the side events because of COVID?
1: Um, there were other events going on. I believe on Sunday there was also an old-school tournament going on. I'm not quite sure if there were on-demand side events, because I didn't really ask for them myself. But the hall seemed, I'd say, pretty packed, okay. even though there was plenty of space between chairs. But I don't think they had like enough space to really go into uh, go and do on-demand side events. I see, I see
0: so for for the total event they had one up 55 players we already mentioned that it was actually which is quite a lot right i guess people were really desperate to play magic again and we have the top eight actually top 16 deck lists here we're going to post them in the show notes uh, a link to their facebook site where all of them are and almost as you would imagine there's two well there's several land stacks depending on how you want to them. as you would imagine you mean
2: i, I was quite surprised by this I mean, pleasantly surprised.
0: Uh, Really? Like, Italy always has so much lands players. It's true,
2: it's true, but the deck is not fantastically positioned, I feel. But I think that's
0: just the the thing about paper magic. Yeah, it's true. Uh, That's actually something I've been wondering um, for quite a while. Like, if we ever go back to somewhat regular paper events, like on a bigger scale, did people really, like, try to keep up with the online metagame or anything like that or yep. rather just play what they knew and maybe make some minor adjustments uh, because especially like Le- lands is like such an expensive deck and maybe you don't own that many other decks and you just like really want to play it again. And like I mentioned previously, I remember going to MKM Rome like two years ago and red green lands is actually the most played deck in the entire metagame oh, that, that day. Yeah, y-
2: that's a fair point. And actually I have a feeling I do know a little bit of about these two players. I know that they're friends uh they uh they have act- the f- same first
0: name? No, I
2: know you like the first the the second name, but they only oh, no, they have the f- same first name, do they? I didn't see. Yeah. It. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. Check them all. But um I know that they are active in the Lands Discord because they posted there and uh one of the lists has a really really clever inclusion which is super up to date, super new tech, so when we get into the lists I'll mention that. So yeah, I reckon they're just very very good players as well.
0: So do you want to read through the top 8? yeah so the top eight um first place we got Giacomo but batalia or something which, which means battle by the way that's nice. so cool Love it. Uh, playing red green lands. second place Giacomo rigini playing Hogak. third place blue white red mentor midrange that plays bobbles but no terminus that's actually like some super interesting t- this like. is a really interesting one as well fourth place red green lance fifth place turbo depth Sixth place, uh, place basically banned miracle splashing red, but no Uro actually, but frantic inventory, which is the accumulated knowledge clone. Uh, seventh place, slow depth, so they play uh, dark confident and and that kind of stuff. So there's like a turn slower. Eighth place, hogak. Nice. So if you wanna count like depth as some lands variety, like half the top eight is some some <laughs> kind of heavily lands based decks. Uh, so I, actually,
2: I made a mistake before. Both players have both lands. Players have exactly the same deck, from what I can see. There might be like one little difference that I'm missing, but I think they are actually the same. So this, like, adds to the point of them being friends. And what is amazing to me is the Grasping Dunes. So if anyone doesn't know, Grasping Dunes is a land that taps for colorless, and it has an ability where you, for one colorless, and you sacrifice it, you put a minus one, minus one and counter on a creature. Uh, activate only as a sorcery. Uh, what do you think this is for julian
0: uh, i would guess struttled arcanist yeah
2: so it took me a second to get this and maybe i feel silly for it but um i was like no that doesn't kill arcanist what are you talking about but arcanist is very easy to forget that when it attacks you can cast a, a spell equal to its power or less so if it has a one minus one minus one counter on it it's now a zero two and you can't cast your cantrips or lightning bolts or anything so like the creature in play is then just like fodder for oko plastic on it that's it otherwise it's pr- it's just useless so this was really cool tech which i think is like not cute at all this is legit really good against arcanist so i wouldn't be surprised land's picking this up more
0: dude if this was like an obscure rare from legends or something this would already be like 500 euros <laughs> or something <laughs> yeah it's the drop of honey <laughs> 2.0 um, yeah. the other things that stand it out it's an obscure uncommon from I guess Amanket. <laughs> it is from Amanket. yeah
2: I love the name as well so um props to them for finding that that's awesome like Lance was already like historically very good against Delver, but uh the addition of Force of Negation and Arcanist those two cards really really hurt the matchup so I don't think it was actually very good for a while but then having this in your arsenal I can see changes things the other things that stand out, they both had two Elvish Reclaimers in the main deck. So technically turning on removal, as people say, but I think the card is so strong in the deck it it makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, it also makes sideboarding quite weird, right? So if you if you have some kind of removers It's interesting, it also doesn't die to Lightning Bolt, mm-hmm. and you might keep a couple of copies of sorts Ploughers anyway because of the token. Yeah, true. So lightning bolt is really awkward against it uh so yeah I kind of like it yeah. it's, i guess that's should decay, gonna make games decay
2: people are leaving in anyway because it hits exploration or mox diamond potentially sphere resistance and stuff or tracker yeah. so yeah it makes sense actually
0: so really cool lands decks uh next we have but wait, uh, oh. to interrupt you sorry yeah. one, one more time they also have two copies of experimental Frenzy in the sideboard which is oh. the, the standard or i guess it's, it might be bent standard by now <laughs> no 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 um, for those who don't I know that, it's a form on a, yeah, it's a formal enchantment that you put into play. And what it does is um, you can play the top of your library at any point, I think. And but you can't play cards from your hand. That's how it works, yeah. right? So you you basically you get to keep playing the cards on yeah. top of your library. You can also play lands. And if you really run into a situation where you, you can't do anything, then you can pay four mana to destroy it so you can start playing cards from your hand again. Yeah. Which is also kind of... Like, it's actually kind of cool and I deck that can get this out in turn two. This is this... It
2: was played in lands previously when... I guess it was 2018 when Grixis Control was a big, big player. I remember Jarvis you playing it as some SCG, I believe. And it did pick up a little bit of traction as like a two or three from the sideboard because Grixis Control just couldn't answer it and you would overwhelm them with it. But um, yeah, I've not seen it since then, so that's pretty cool.
1: Didn't, didn't uh, the card see some play in some experimental Doomsday builds? There's like yes. a pile where you chain this yeah, into it... a bunch of LEDs, then Doomsday again until you find the tendrils, if I believe.
2: There, there was the, the pile was just like a second Doomsday, and tendrils, and LEDs, and ideas unbound or something. I can't remember exactly. But but you could you could just cast tendrils and doomsday again. And then, oh yeah, because you can cast the cards. It was like three LED, another Doomsday, and tendrils. Yeah, indeed. Which is pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So, that, so apart from that, I think it's kind of, I mean, I'm sorry for the joke, but experimented with very much in the format. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're right. The Doomsday was cool, bit fringe, but um, lands is where it's kind of seen some place. So that's cool. So, pretty like standard red green lists to an extent, but then some new tech, some old tech, and some. Clever numbers. There's two field of the dead as well, which is now a bit of a mainstay. There's a tabernacle, bog, main deck, as you'd expect to. Yeah, it's really well-rounded. There's a blast zone. There's three gambles, usually four. It goes quarter. Yeah, this just has like all the usual tools I guess now. Yeah, cool. They did well. Moving on. So we had Hogak. So we had two Hogaks in the top eight. Um, both of them seem fairly standard. It's surprising that well, actually, maybe it's not surprising. This deck—it's like kind of goes off people's radars, and then if they expect Delver to be well, it's always there. And I think this deck always overperforms than what people think.
0: I was going to say the deck has low-key been one of the best decks in the format yeah. as of like the last one or two months. It is consistently putting Nobody out great like results. Nobody like is taking that graveyard hate really serious, right?
2: It is. It's also just good against graveyard hate that isn't Leyland of the Void and Rest in Peace. Like it, it just butchers through a lot of other things.
0: Yeah, the format has been somewhat lost in when it comes to what's the the graveyard hate of choice as of mm-hmm. late. It, like surgical extraction used to be basically the most played cyborg card almost in legacy, barely played, but now it, it's yeah, yeah, it's barely played. And I think like Uro is probably like part of that mm-hmm. because it's. I mean, if you get to u- extract Uro against certain decks, it's good, but it also it feels so bad sometimes because you're still trading down a card and that Uro drew a card. It's like yeah. ah, ah, it, it's... It's not that great against Dreaded Arcanist, but at the same time against the rock you don't want to bring in uh, Leyland of the Void. By the way, um, maybe we we'll talk about that in a little bit. Daniel Götzschel actually won the Legacy... What's it called? The Legacy Big Thing? Is the, is the showcase challenge. No, the... Uh, exactly. No, Shoko's Qualifier, sorry. <laughs> I said exactly, uh. I didn't know, but it's a pre- th- the thing that's a really big deal. Yeah. And he played Rock Diver, and he had the innovation of three Relic of Progenitors in the sideboard, which is basically coming back now, like, used to be a thing 10 years ago. Yeah. And then I remember telling some of my friends, well, this isn't a legacy card anymore, when they put it in their deck. But, like, oh, check this out. This is actually really cool against DSK Just decks. Just to put it in perspective,
2: Daniel is also the man that... Played three or four Tormor's crypts in the GP he won, in his like blue white stoneblade deck with Snapcasters and when surgical was used to be good, he he has a way of doing things and it works. He's a super smart guy, of course, and uh, yeah, Relic is really 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 good against Snow. Um, it's just it means you can't like dump your Uro. You need to earlier on. It just it's really good against Clothis if like in mirrors and stuff. It's it's a good card and it's this value as well because the format you need to be trading tit for tat for value and card draw with the other fair yeah. decks
0: i also really like it against togak because yeah. eventually you you either power through it but if you do then they're gonna blow it and you're gonna lose everything and then you have to rebuild or you're trying to like remove it but then you're still gonna lose your entire graveyard and they're gonna draw yeah. draw a card so no matter what happens it's probably bad for you so oh man i'm, I'm actually excited for the card I, I think
2: the, i think it's actually pretty bad against hogak it it will help, it, it is graveyard hate and it can nuke the whole graveyard, so especially when you're Delver with access to like Delver and dread to Arcanist to put fast pressure, it will win games, but um, if you don't have that pressure as well, then like leave, leaving up one mana to, to activate it is, is really bad in the matchup. You want to be pressuring them and then just exiling one or two card a turn is not going to get there, so it's not ideal, but yeah, it'll, it'll still help.
0: Basically, my idea would be uh, I blow their graveyard on turn four or something, and then I'm gonna counter all the Stitcher suppliers that they're gonna cast, and then they they don't really get. Yeah, to that's assuming they've not done
2: anything scary till turn four. But yeah. Yeah, that's the
0: issue, right? <laughs> that they, they might already have stuff in play yeah. and that, that that's the big issue. Yeah. I always assume the creatures in play don't matter, but I guess whatever they actually do. With elves, it's always like, yeah, whatever. Do Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, <laughs> two ones you do need to do something with.
2: Although Arcanist is a one, three for some reason. So it lines up really well, like at clogging the board. It's just a good blocker. So um yeah, Hogek as we said, really just always performing. It's It's a super solid deck. Next one, we have a really cool deck, which feels like very old school it's it's kind of harking back to um uh, like gp winning lists although of course it doesn't have dig through time and sense divine top but it's it's <laughs> like counterbalance mentor with uh daze's for predicts and it's using Mishra's bauble which i love this card and i think this is a card that people should have experimented more with in shells with um counterbalance and predict previously like It started to be played when Lurus was legal in Miracles, and it was fantastic there. But um, I'm honestly surprised that that shell has dropped off, even though Lurus was such a huge part of the deck. Bauble is just really good in the deck, being able to cantrip with a Terminus, and then like use it to draw a Terminus in the opponent's turn at will. Or um, checking the top card for predict, making predict so you don't have to use your cantrips badly. Or like checking counterbalance if it'll counter a 1-drop or a 2-drop with a fetch and play or something. Uh sometimes you can like check the opponent's top of the card, like the information is really big for a control deck as well. For the cost of it is mulligans are harder because you can have this unknown cantrip in your hand and the delayed draw can be bad especially when you're looking to make land drops and stuff. But um especially when you factor in here it has this deck has, has four mentor. So it really brings a lot to the deck. So I'm, I'm pretty pretty keen on this deck. It's really really sweet
0: so it, i guess it's also one of the few things you can back with sabine's reclamation Well, i guess okay, okay, yeah you can get one of the planeswalkers <laughs> i guess yeah yeah
2: so the deck has a Savine's reclamation so it's bringing back like one of the two to fairy time revelers or it has four monastery Mentor on three counterbalance so not messing around at all and there's, there's a jace the mind sculptor hanging out as there should always be one jace in these kind of decks because he's very good against snow and stuff
0: Interesting that there's no Snapcaster Mage. That, that card really has fallen off a cliff in Legacy. Yeah. Like, What if I told you like one year ago that Snapcaster Mage is barely seeing any play in Legacy? I wouldn't believe you. It, it went from maybe the most play creature to probably not even being in the top 10 anymore. Or I would think that there's something weird
2: happening where like main deck rest in peace is really good or something. I don't know.
0: Maybe that's actually, you know, that's just something that I would love to see, main deck rest in peace. I mean, there's not really any good deck right now, but it's good against all the ruck divers, all against uh, anything that tries to abuse uro It's very very uh, good against
2: the fair decks the thing is you, you pair no. it with um the uh, helm of obedience and energy field and those cards are so bad when you don't have rest in yeah. peace I, they're really really just so bad and so i yeah i, I think i've ranted about <laughs> rip Hell on this podcast a couple of times already so i won't go too much into it but um Yeah, maybe Rest in Peace could be just played as a two-of when you have ways to discard it for value or something. I don't know. Cool. Uh, So, yep, quick summary. Yep, mental deck, super cool. Maybe we'll see it be played online. In fourth place, we have have the lands, which is the same as the first place deck, deck which we covered. Fifth place, we have uh, the slow depth deck. So I've not been... That should be turbo depth. Oh, Turbo Dips, my bad. Yes, it says it right there. Turbo Dips. So this is what I've been seeing mostly online. Um, I think it's the more popular version. And I think the consensus seems to be it's kind of the better version. It's playing um, not of this Worlds and stuff. And I think people are identifying that you can't really outgrind the Oko Uro, Source of Power Shares, Coatal Deck. they will eventually like go above twenty life so they can oko okay it and yeah, it's hard. So they think they just try and go under these decks. And being faster against Deliver is often quite good as well. It's a
0: balancing act so null of the world basically counters any activated ability or a spell that targets one basically your, your 2020 yeah and previously people used to do that so they could comp- uh, counter one karakas activation then kill but now i think it's actually there so you wouldn't run into oko so your your 2020 doesn't get act yep Which is kind of cute okay there's a two right well. of consumption in the side part oh brazen Borrow yeah. too yeah yeah so, yeah, they have two right of Consumption as ah. well in the side part, which basically lets them sacrifice the, the token and deal 20 damage. Or is it life lost? I guess it doesn't really yeah. matter. Uh, what is it? I think that, that does creed. get a
2: Veil of summoned, So, it kind of fell off because of that, because people were bringing Veil against you.
0: To target player, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you get life equal to the damage dealt yeah. this turn. Okay, so that's basically a way to give your creature haste for two extra mana. Yeah. So, it's, it's
2: generally, f- it's been for, like, source supply shares decks or... For getting around caracas and stuff like that but um yeah pretty cool next one we have an absolute i mean is it an, is it an event in italy if there's no miracles or like control yeah. deck in the top eight
0: so we have i was gonna say like miracles <laughs> is just the italian deck right yeah.
2: yeah you're right lands and lands and miracles so alessandro tassini i recognize the name as well probably placed in some um events so it has accumulated wait no sorry frantic inventory so Frantic Infantry is the new accumulated knowledge, which is um essentially the same card except for it only counts the the copies in your graveyard. So it's probably better, but it has a new frame. Hmm. How do you feel yeah, on that? Yeah, the
0: new frame is the issue, right? Yeah. I I, I want my, my my old frame, my Macardia Masks blocked. Yeah. What is it's Nemesis, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it must be from Nemesis. there's no good cards from Prophecy. <laughs> I think there's like one card in legacy that's from Prophecy that's playable ah. and I don't even remember it. I'm struggling to think. Tom, of do one. you remember? Is there any playable prophecy card for Legacy?
1: Mm, not off the top of my head, no. That set is terrible. I, I started playing Magic briefly <laughs> before then. <laughs> <laughs> remember being... Uh, the only thing I think of is Mystic
2: Study for EDH.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I can't think of any good card from that no, There's got to be something. Okay, so if if
0: anybody is listening right now, I hope some people are. Let us know in the comments on Reddit, on Twitter, on uh, well, not YouTube. Uh, send us a letter. What is the most playable card in Prophecy? Like, I really want to know. I can't
2: wait for like a completely insane st- format staple to be reminded. <laughs>
0: yeah. Guys, Swords R- to Plowshares has been <laughs> reprinted in Prophecy. It's like the one everybody <laughs> uses. Like, oh my god! Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it actually was Island. But I, I think, that, no, 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 wait. The, the, those sets don't even have basic lands. Only the big set, um like maskless islands. Did, anyway. Didn't Oko so previously come on. Out Prophecy? <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. Nobody, like we missed it for like 20 <laughs> years. <laughs> well, no one knew what food was. So now Now we do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So yeah, the, the, there's a four color miracle stack here. Uh, basically all the colors except for black, which is basically where to go for, for these four color miracle stacks these days um uh, why are people like caleb you're deeper into the the miracles development history mm-hmm. than i am why do we see frantic inventory here
2: well it, it is just accumulated knowledge so um the card is good because the deck is just looking to go late and it if you can cast the third copy uh that that includes snap castering back one as well later Like, it's you are drawing three or four cards, which is insane in this format. And then you can just force anything you want and counter anything you want. So the card has a really high ceiling, but a pretty low floor. Like, paying one and a blue to cycle a card is quite a cost earlier on. And then still paying one and a blue to draw two cards is not fantastic. So the card is very good when you're playing in a format that's slow and you expect to go very late. So I I can actually see this. If you're expecting to play against stuff like uh, snow or like the the deck we saw before then um the, the mental mid-range deck if you have enough removal for them and terminus for mentor i can see this being like a big trump to the control matchups
0: um i see i see we, we talked about the card uh in one of our chats i think actually a couple of weeks ago where you, where you and, and some other miracles guys explained to me why accumulated knowledge is not seeing play anymore and i think i remember it to be that you guys said that you have to be quicker to react to something like dreaded arcanist like yeah you can't be sitting there cycling your accumulated knowledges because then dreaded is just going to take you out while you're searching for your sorts of Plowshares. yeah so like you mentioned yeah it's, it's great if you go late but if you have to answer something rather quickly yeah it's, then you it's expensive
2: to cycle early yeah. my other problem with it which I, I don't know how shared this is but i think the card is really bad against veil vale of summer which although the two cards don't line up at all like yeah, Veil vale cycles if you cast it. Not that, but um, Veil vale punishes a deck trying to go very late and like control the stack, because so, it's such a strong card against counter magic, especially in multiples and from the snow decks. So, I think a deck trying to go super late and cast its third or fourth AKs and stuff is just going to be inherently wanting to play more counter magic and more control tools to be able to go over the top of other fair decks in the late game, and building your deck in a way to take advantage of the card advantage from AK. Or frantic inventory is going to make your deck worse versus veil of summer so there's there's a bit of friction there it doesn't make the card like not be played or whatever um and like i said it's it's an effect it's a you want the cards against snow but it's bad if they are on lots of veil of summers i think so there's some tension there i'm not sure where it falls That's now interesting interaction yeah
0: or or rather strategic interaction it's not actually yes interaction, yeah exactly cards. so you mentioned that if you want to go really late you want to have some cards that influence the board which is something i really really agree with uh so that actually immediately makes me wonder whether you want something like council's judgment of mm-hmm. course i guess Teferi time reveler feels just like such a better card but True. at the same time it's blue so it runs yeah. into Wail of summer again but i think i, I guess it doesn't it doesn't yeah <laughs> but, but i think
2: decks running frantic inventory or ak want a lot more stack interaction as well as the thing
0: um Basically anything that that either counters or removes, right? Yes, so, so yeah. So not like cute stuff. Yeah, yeah. So
2: it's it's in a tough spot. I'm not surprised to see it. I think it can be good. Um, it's just it's fallen out of favor. But Arcanist is probably the biggest stroke against it. It's not the Veil thing. It's it's just a big mm-hmm. cost to be using a mana like that in the early game.
0: But um, it has two humidities in the sideboard as well, which is like super scary for, is from an X perspective. Yeah.
2: So the sideboard is. Uh, two Graftgivers Cage, two Blood Moon, two Humility, and then like Fluster Storm, Veil of Summer Return to Nature, Surgical Extraction, Pyroblast, which are more common. But like six heavy hitting permanents is not standard. That is also so much graveyard hate. Like two Surgical, two Return to Nature, kind of two Graftgivers Cage. But um, I guess there is no Snapcaster Mage in the deck. Is there? Oh, there's two Snapcaster Mage.
0: That's two, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: So Cage is not a common inclusion, but um.
0: I guess this player really, hit, really hates need, elves with humility and cage. The way, the way I understand it is that as long as you have cage around, you don't need your snapcaster mages. Yeah. And once they get rid of cage, yeah, I yeah. guess you would love to use your snapcaster mages to protect the cage, though, right? So to flashback. It can be awkward. I don't it's, know, flash storm or something. Because
2: like, if you bring in cage against something like Hogak, it's good, but they can play their creatures and start attacking you, and that's where you really want like the sword, snap swords and stuff.
1: Yeah, but they can um, still bring stuff I back guess that's with also about the uh, Mystic Sanctuary,
2: right? Yes, Mystic Sanctuary works through Cage, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's really important when you're playing against Hogak, like, if you get some graveyard you hate, like, it's generally a surgical extraction or Tormod's Crypt or something, and then you want the swords, snap swords and then snap costs are trading with something as well to deal with the random 2-1 idiots and stuff. But, um...
0: Don't call them idiots, don't call them zombies.
2: Hey, I love them as well. They, they like being called idiots, I promise. <laughs> they, <laughs> they told me in confidence. But yeah, so cage is interesting. Blood Moons and Humilities. I mean, maybe it's just the way to go, like really hard-hitting things. We had a discussion earlier today about um, what you can afford to play in the legacy sideboards currently. And the format seems so much more powerful than a few years ago. You don't want to play flexible cards. You want to play... Harder hitting sideboard cards that are narrower, but they're going to win the matchups you want to win. So, could be going after that, or just really likes the art on Humility. Who knows?
0: <laughs> do you think we'll ever see a Humility reprint? I-, I could see it like being really cool if they did something, but I guess the the, the rules are so complicated. Right? List? Maybe they're going to do it as some kind of promotional thingy. It's probably on the reserved list actually, yeah. which is an entire different topic. I think so. That's actually may- maybe we'll talk about that in the future. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on
2: from the reserve list we have francesco <laughs> febris on slow depths uh looks pretty standard to me there's steely resolve in the sideboard which is one of my favorite like little tech cards that's one the green enchantment as it comes to play you choose a creature type and then those creatures have those creature types have shroud cool um do you see anything else danny out to you
0: no this looks pretty straightforward yeah. this as, as slow depthy as it gets yep. I'm, I'm a big fan of the turbo depth ones but this one is also late. like like we call this slow depth right but this can sometimes speedy. still often make the token on the second turn or something yeah because so there's three mox diamond like,
2: no lotus pedal has the full set of elvish reclaimer which is
0: cool as well okay this one's probably gonna make it on the third turn yeah. um but actually no, that they also have urbok at dark depth and thespian stage yeah. so and hexmage so they can even to do it, it, it on the second turn yeah. so yeah, term, yeah this and in eighth place, we got another copy of Bloodgast. Uh, they call it CERBO, the Rating Sculptor. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. <laughs> yep. I have no idea who CERBO is. Oh, it's
2: the Rating Sculptor, obviously.
0: Okay, I just Google image search CERBO, and apparently CERBO is an executive secretary at the Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban Treaty Organization. Maybe that's where Yeah, that it. makes complete sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. good old CERBO. You cracked it. Good job, <laughs> Julian. <laughs> code crack i should be working for the cia or something <laughs> now this looks pretty straightforward as, yep. as it comes right this so is pretty, pretty yeah
2: even the sideboard i recognize the numbers i think it's like lotus box lots of the players played something basically this and it's become what people often copy uh yeah looks pretty standard uh in ninth place just missing on the top eight we have good old-fashioned dredge keeping everyone honest I don't know about you, but I absolutely adore dredge. It's such
0: a oh man! I I don't know. I've I've never had respect for dredge. Not in the sense that I thought the deck was super bad or something. But I always felt like, for the longest of times, I felt like the deck was just not good enough. Mm -hmm. It was like okay to overrun people who really didn't have any kind of hate. But I gotta say, ever since the London Mulligan, I I'm pretty sure that dredge is one of those decks that benefited the most from the London Mulligan because they really don't need that many different cards in their opening hands they they really just need a couple of things and then post part they they need like a removal spell for whatever kind of permanent hate you bring and then they can go off i've i've ever since L- maligan this is the deck that my respect has grown for mm-hmm. the most so at this point i'm actually somewhat scared of facing the deck yeah. because it seems quite resilient yeah totally so um we'll plow
2: through the the rest of the top 16 quickly but we yeah. cannot like spend too much time on every single thing Uh, 10th place, we have blue, black shadow. This is another deck, which I think is better than people give it respect for. And I know Manguchi played it in the event as well. Didn't do too well, but, um,
0: it's strong. Like he bought a beta, um, time that's that. So who's the real winner? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, it looks pretty
2: standard to me as well. Straight blue, black for woody grave stands out, but it's not very interesting. (laughs)
0: Um, yeah. They got the main deck reanimate, which I guess you can do in the deck. Yeah. I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah
2: um small like thing to the side but when i used to play lots of shardless uh years and years ago now i guess there was this joke from uh, shadow players that they would say turn one cycle street wraith and then reanimate it was game over against shardless because they could they could never abrupt decay it like it was swamp walk so the goyfs of death rights could never block it it was like basically turn one gg
0: yeah i guess your best that was something like, oh, Chase, bouncer. Yeah, Liliana minus two or Chase, bounce, yeah, or two or chase bounce how, it, or bad the card is supposed to be as a creature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and then you just cycle it. So, okay, sweet. <laughs> oh, value, value, yeah. value. <laughs> you just made four mana so I can draw an extra card. Perfect. <laughs> Eleventh place, we got good old Dragon Stompy from, I guess, they're part of the Buddha team of Italy. I see yep. that those guys quite a lot of their t-shirts. I think the interesting thing is that they're running seven Chandras, which is not that common. No. But the Awakened Inferno one is the encounterable one for seven mana, yep. right? Or six mana. Yeah, six Something mana. Like that. Expensive. They
2: have, this is quite different, actually. There's no Megs of the Moon. They have two Grim Monoliths, which is not super common, but that helps the Chandra. And they have four Karns, which kind of fell off for a bit, so... And Blood Sun. So it's it's quite different actually. No magus is big. I guess
0: there's so many lightning bolts. I was actually urged by a friend of mine, Marius Hausmann, to try um the version that plays Blood Sun over Blood Moon. Mm-hmm. And I thought Blood Sun would be pretty bad, but f- at least for me, when I played the deck, Blood Sun was actually a lot better than Blood Moon oh. because shutting off the Fetchlands was actually quite a big deal. Yeah. Like a really big deal.
2: My, my only experience playing against it is, if,
0: I haven't played against it online
2: very much, but in paper, I had a few players at my store who played it quite a lot. And every single time they played it, I would if I didn't have a force of will, I'd be like, oh, thank God, it's just that. Or if they played it, I'd have a force of will and let it resolve, because I'm like, oh, that's fine. And then three or four turns later, I'm really regretting it, like, let it get into play. <laughs> because you think, okay, I, I can cast my spells, but then what it does later on is it's pretty impactful, like, it makes your cantrips worse. It, it's like does shut off two or three lands each time it's it's significant because the drawing a card is really good as well
0: yeah they are definitely that, that's that's something what's annoying about blood moon like the first you yourself and you get the second one and you're now like yeah okay that's not really gonna help me uh, unless of course it takes the game but then the yeah. second one is, is, doesn't really matter so yeah we we got that uh in 12th place we got another pretty pretty vanilla sneak show list doesn't yep some some toy around with omniscience or something it's like straight looks. up uh sneak show yep. 13 plays we got oh we, we got the boogeyman of the format. Okay. we got actually rock diver in here we're just playing two spare pieces we don't really see two spare pieces in this kind of deck yeah. a lot do we no
2: they've just gone like heavier on preordains and uh so that they can like make arcanist better so they're playing three arcanists here see otherwise looks pretty
0: standard i'm pretty surprised to see f- well, for our force of is normal and two force of negation as well I would have thought if somebody told me they play two spare pierces that those would take the two the place of two Force of Negations, mm. but they got those as well. I guess the main reason to run um spare pierce in the past used to be something like Chalice, but we don't really see Chalice all that much anymore, uh, but to uh, to counter oko, I, I would guess. I guess that's so, yeah. Beam. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe to protect your dreaded Arcanist for a turn mm-hmm. and then it replaces itself already, something like that and 14th place we have five color snow control which yeah that's i know you love baby.
2: the uh the five colors
0: back to basics yeah in the I, slide I love when all the colors split bl- together oh, baby. there's like nothing unique about the individual colors anymore five color back everybody, to everybody can play any spell from any basic forests yeah that's my kind of nature. tell us how you really feel <laughs> tell
2: us how you really feel come on <laughs>
0: yeah i love it i love it i actually i build it in, in foil and paper and <laughs> in all kinds of languages and i'm playing it against the ball like because just even goldfishing this deck, get, you get the turn one you already feel so good you actually i don't know yeah. I can't speak about that it's <laughs> cool. getting a bit kinky but yeah that's that's what i want to do and then oh my god yeah, oh, on the second turn when i play against the wall i pass the turn then i pretend that i got, don't have the correct mana because i have two forests oh. but then i flash in ice fan code, <gasps> and i pretend that i blocked a really important creature of no theirs and then <laughs> oh my god <laughs> uh, i pre- I practice my idea but I laugh.
2: Yeah, you're you're a natural. You're a brilliant snow player.
0: I already figured the deck out. It's pretty easy. Yeah. They have oh god. They oh god. Come on. <laughs> I Look at the sideboard now. <laughs> <laughs> fuck this shit. Come on. They have two containment priests. They have three plague engineers. <laughs> they have two back to basics. Like what the fuck is going on in this deck? Like the only honest card in their entire sideboard is one mindbreak trap. Well, it to. And dust. that's pretty much it. Honest. Yeah, <sighs> it does what it's supposed to do, it and does? it's like. <sighs> okay this is just stupid let's move we, on 15th place
1: <laughs> I, I would say cling to dust is a pretty fair magic uh, we need to
2: do an episode on snow soon about the ins and outs and yeah. the uh what's the best like land hate to play in snow cool coming to an, an episode near you soon
0: yeah at some point we're just going to play contamination and if you know what con- contamination I, does i
2: actually guessed it on eli goblin lucky one stream recently playing bog boys when we had contaminations in the deck
0: okay that's pretty good cool. yep. so for those who don't know it's an enchantment and you have to sacrifice an, uh, a creature on your upkeep and it makes all your lands tap for black does it also make the astrolabe tap for black because i bet it doesn't well no
2: no uh, no the land will tap for black but then it's not mana, so you can't filter it no no it's, it's all lands. i think oh, no, it's, no, it's only lands. non-basic lands right yeah all lands would tap for black and then like if you tap a yes. snow land i think it adds one snow black
0: yeah it should yeah. because it a snow permanent yeah. So then, Astrolabe beats Contamination. I think it would. <laughs> yeah, that's so stupid. That's just like so <laughs> fucked up. Come <laughs> on, guys. Uh, how deep do we have to go with this stupid card? Uh, oh man. Moving I mean, on. I wish Astrolabe was at least like a snow mana to activate, but you can. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's let's move on. I, I probably missed that. Oh yeah, that's another dragon Dragonstopper. Cool. Oh, great, great deck, awesome deck. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this one has uh, uh, Back
2: to Basics in the sideboard.
0: Wait, 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 wait! Dragonstopper, Back to Basics no, in the sideboard.
2: No, no, I'm just annoying you. Maybe
0: we can
1: play
0: Five Color <laughs> Dragon Stumpy. Awesome. And in 16th place, oh, we, we actually have Infect. Thomas, is that the guy you lost to?
1: This is the girl I lost to, indeed. Barbara Molinari.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Ba- Barbara Molinari. Uh, yeah. In
1: fact, she. Uh, so when I traveled to Italy, I had a friend with me. And uh, day one, he uh, uh, told me the bad beat story about how she destroyed him with boggles in Modern. And so, day two, it was my turn to get beaten. We, so, we named her Barbara Slayer of the Belgians from now on. She was lovely though, but she did crush us <laughs> both. Nice. And I think she made top 16 That's in Legacy problem, uh, in and Modern Slayer as well. So, she had a double top 16, quite a good weekend for her.
2: Nice. I'm also going to massively shout out the mana base. Two Tropical Island, two Breeding Pool. I love seeing people play Shocks and not be scared of playing like you'd be amazed by how you can get through and get good results like this so that's that's cool
0: yeah i think it makes the most sense in aggressive decks where mm-hmm. y- you probably like the game ends Yeah. where in situations where you are the aggressive deck and the opponents are supposed to be the control deck yeah. and in those decks it probably actually doesn't make that big of a difference yeah yeah you will always lose really points point. against delver by playing shocks but
2: Two and two especially, you can like end of turn them if you feel like you're in you're under pressure from a life title. And having two drops to fetch up first if you need to, yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool to see.
1: I will say she probably doesn't listen to the podcast because she doesn't have great stable stack in the sideboard, so she clearly doesn't listen to, uh, to some uh, <laughs> Fenris Cloud's <That's>... advice.
2: <laughs> that is very true. I was about to say, like, well, everyone listens to the podcast, surely.
0: But no, you're right, that's a very good point. We've missed it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're playing Infect and you didn't listen to our last episode, what are you doing with your mm-hmm. life? And why is the Needing Me for
1: a change? <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> so yeah, that, that that's the the event. Um Tom, do you know if, if they're gonna have more events in Italy? Because I know that Nebraska's war, that's basically one of the biggest events in Europe every year. Uh, they I think they mentioned they're not gonna have it this year, but do, do you have some inside info on that?
1: yeah so um so first of all, four seasons themselves, they uh, are scheduled to do one in the winter if the situation permits it so for now the the signal is that yes the event will happen, but we'll need to um we need to follow them to be sure that uh, nothing changes, and the authorities will let them go through with it. for Nebraska's war well, things are more difficult. I've heard. There's nothing 100% certain yet, but they are having a really hard time getting uh, the g- getting the go from the local authorities. And as the event is closing, uh, is closing, uh, is coming nearer by, it's going to be hard for them to still uh, have it set up at least to the standards they've uh, they've grown accustomed to. So Nebraska's well likely not four seasons winter might happen. Things look good for now.
2: Okay. We'll have to keep an eye out. I'd be tempted to come to the uh, Winters 1, especially after hearing the precautions they take as well. I've been really missing paper, paper Legacy. Like I didn't realize how much because I do play quite a lot online or I, I did a lot more as well recently. And um, yeah, I, it gets to the point where I know you're not a fan already, but I, I really enjoy playing online as well. But it's sometimes getting to a point now where I'm like, I need that injection of... Being able to play casual decks with friends at the pub and stuff as well, so yeah, yeah, we'll I would see. hardly so I'll, recommend I'll it to come if it's
1: rec- it, it felt really good yeah. to be out there, not only to play cards but just you know to see a bunch of my friends from across Europe. Um, I mean, one of the reasons yeah, I went I to Italy was just to see my good friend Raffaele, who's the guy who uh, houses in Florence. He's a he's a vintage player as well. I love it. Just getting to see him back, uh, having uh, some solid Italian food, having drinks. That's at least half of the uh, the experience
0: was there a lot of international participation or was the tournament predominantly italian
1: oh it was predominantly italian i did play against two swiss players uh, two friends uh, one of them in legacy one of them in vintage and the guy who won the vintage was a french player uh, he's actually one of the dealers from uh from carta papa uh, roman quite well-known guy mm-hmm. but other than that i didn't see too many people uh, from outside of Italy at least not uh, at least no familiar faces
0: okay okay i guess that's gonna be something that's gonna come up again and hopefully the near or not too distant future when things get better hopefully
1: yeah fingers crossed so Uh, let's see about that i'm hoping i can do more of these as well
0: tom Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I I have no idea. Like, when I'm going to go to my next event, I actually get a really good vlogging setup with my new camera and, like, a special outdoor microphones and everything. I'm really looking forward to doing a lot of video content. Like, I don't even care about, like, how my tournament's going to go, but I want to do some awesome video content about the first big event I'm going to visit again after, like, everything. Well, we we have no idea when it's going to be over, unless you want to trust the Russians and their vaccine. I don't know about that. (laughs) But we, we will see. So, Tom... Thank you so much for coming on the podcast tonight sharing your experience and everything getting me excited for vintage again. Um, Where can people find you if if they want to get hold of you.
1: Um, So I am blc underscore Tom on Twitter, Uh, although I don't really use it much. And other than that, you can try and find me on Facebook. It's uh, Tom the Decker. I'm sure Julian will have my name right in the show notes.
0: Awesome. So, uh, Calum, where can people find you? You can find me
2: at White Faces MTG on Twitter, that's the best place. Are you streaming? Or, or is it not a, I, 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 I want you're to. I you are busy playing I,
0: Arena, you said,
2: right? Well, I'm not going to stream Arena. Um, I've got lots of Legacy oh, decks like, I want to play still. Um, One of my favorite decks I've played ever in Legacy is like this uh, uh, Wilderness Reclamation deck with Cunning Wish and Search for Azkanta called The Epic Pit, in homage to the, <laughs> uh, the Epic pit. Was that tool. ever a real deck? Oh, define real
0: <laughs> an epic deck
2: well look I, 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 I did 4-1 a league with it Marcus has played it a bunch I uh god I
0: went like 4-2 at a local yeah, event uh, that well. sounds like something that Marcus would play Wilderness Reclamation wish. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no but the thing is dude I almost have Marcus thus far that he will pick up elves in the near future uh, so Marcus you promised to you promised to you want no, 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 to you no, no, want no, to play the deck no, no. that draws the most cards in the entire format we
2: convinced him that Glimpse of Nature might be the best card draw spell in Legacy but
0: he That's not even take
2: convincing. But he said back, "But is it good if you only draw bad cards?"
0: Oh, <laughs> you, you must have missed the part where he actually said he was gonna play okay, Fs. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. He—he's gonna be yeah, but he's—he's he's gonna cast to glimpse and then like life.
2: draw five cards and then just laugh because he's drawing one ones rather than force of wills. Oh
0: man, <laughs> man. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll we see about that.
2: Okay, I, I'm gonna try and stream soon. I want to stream this, the Epic Pit, which the name comes from absolute adoration for the epic storm in its name and in this one they burning wish for their win condition this one uses cunning wish to get empty the pits which is four black and then xx with delve you make loads of zombies uh, so yeah that's the epic pit <laughs>
0: <laughs> are we still talking about legacy man this is this is just i mean you do a lot of brewing and like when, okay. you, when you did the shark stare thing that actually hit legacy really yeah this hard, deck this thing so is powerful empty
2: I've, the pits. I've not played it since quietel Uro, Oko, actually Oko was out for a bit. and I don't think Oko is good in the deck actually but I've not played it since Uro came out and the deck is a deck that wants to ramp so we played it with Veteran Explorer and Cabal Therapy before but now with Uro and Coatl I think you can just play a better early game. So, I don't know, the deck is a bug and just plays loads of good cards. It has Force of Will, Uro, Fatal Push, Abrupt Decay, Ponder, Brainstorm and then we try and make it worse. I mean, how bad can it really be? <laughs>
0: I got to give it to you a four mana enchantment that's something real legacy is a big issue dealing with not like mm-hmm. nobody can deal with a green four mana enchantment.
2: Yeah, there's only two as well. So the the deck is cool because it's a combo control deck. It looks like a control deck. And uh when we when we first built it we put it on the source and someone said how does this win? I think Marcus just like smiled <laughs> side to side when they said that. And so the win condition used to be um, veteran explorers. Because Oh come on. <laughs> well tom can you take over i'm done the, there was two snap castles I'm, and a jace as well okay fine
1: i'm baffled but i do know marcus and it uh, doesn't surprise me one bit if i'm being honest <laughs> that sounds right the real the win
2: the real win con was because you have you have search for azcanta and then when you flip it you uh, get to untap it with re- wilderness reclamation and so you like then get more wilderness reclamations and then you're making like 40 mana because you have all the lands and we also used to play an Urborg, so that all the fetches were lands in the late game, so you can have even more mana. And then you can like Blue Sun Zenith to draw like 30 cards, and then, yeah. I'm getting really excited. Oh, and you're actually going to kill your opponent with Blue Sun Zenith. <laughs> I did sometimes. That's actually something I could... The deck also, oh, the deck had so many great moments. I played it online quite a bit because it was so fun, and what, my favorite screenshot so I got from that it... that you can recall every single one of them. was no, The best bit ever
0: was, the sideboard also has a
2: Sabo's Decree. Do you know what that does?
0: Yes, yes, I do. It's five or six mana. It's an instant because you can cunning mm-hmm. English it. You name a creature type, you destroy all of that type and your opponent also discards all of that yes. type. Yes,
2: quite good versus elves. But my favorite moment was I got to cast it versus Blue Red Delver naming Salamander. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Terramander oh, is Terramander? a Salamander. Sal- yeah. uh, Terramander, Salamander. They had two in play and then another one in hand. It was pretty sweet.
0: Okay, right. Okay. so we're, we're definitely going to link this in the show notes because I actually <laughs> want to see what this looks like. Okay, I have, to, I have to stream pit. it now. I'm getting so excited <laughs> just talking about it. All right. That's my favorite pitch, the Epic Pit. <laughs> the Epic Pit. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. In Speaking of amazing stuff, if you guys want to find us on YouTube, no, on YouTube, oh, I wish. That's going to be for the future. Uh,
2: the Epic Everyday Eternal
0: coming to you the soon. The Epic Everyday Eternal. <laughs> uh, no, you can find us at EternalMTG on Twitter. And yeah, we usually we tweet out who's gonna be our guest, uh, unless we forget about it. And, but it's definitely gonna be in the Discord every time. So that's something that you can access to by supporting us on Patreon, just like our Eternal Witness tier supporters Valerio, Tommy Hinks, Trent Browers. Or, oh my god, we have so many Grizzlebrand tier supporters. Dude, we have Victor Benanz, Bachubat, Scott Monroe, Kurdish Ali State, Jeremy Gates, Martin Nielsen, Eugene Freeman, Henry Kokuch, and our good friend. <coughs> wow. That, that's some that's some serious legacy support there mm-hmm. so people say Wizards doesn't support the legacy format people do support the legacy format for sure so thank you so so much if you want to get access to us you can do that on twitter uh, i'm at it's 23 uh Caitlin, you already mentioned yours you're at whitefacesmtg, mtg mm-hmm. right yep awesome and if you support us on patreon you can also get access to the ever-growing patreon discord so check that out. Uh, other options, leave a review. We actually recently got a really, really awesome review on iTunes. I actually share that on, in our Facebook group because I'm always so excited when you get a new review on iTunes. He, he loves so it. So thank you so much for that. And yeah, I think with that we're, we're going to call it a day. Our next episode is very likely going to be a comprehensive review of all the spoilers that we've seen for Seneca Rising and I guess the other two or three sets that Wizards will announce until then because nobody knows how many sets are actually coming out in the near future. I lost track, but... There's going to be a couple of interesting cards, a couple of maybes, and uh, the, yeah, the thing I'm actually most excited for is the new mechanic, the double-faced cards that flip into lands. Yes, yeah, I've That's, got a lot of thoughts about this, so I'm looking
2: forward to talking about
0: them. Awesome. So tune in in something like two weeks, and yeah, have a great
1: morning, evening, afternoon, night. See you again next time. Bye-bye. Ciao. Bye.